Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha! In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Is no credentials required covering sports around the mighty 518. Part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network in association with Godzilla Media. Here is your host, Ryan McCarthy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 57 of No Credentials Required. We are brought to you by Belly Up Sports in association with Godzilla Media. This is the second of three episodes I'm dropping this week. This one's going to be a rather long one between myself, Kyle Rigney of the Trav and Rigney podcast, and also my buddy Dan Goldstein, who was my former co-host at Downtown Jets. We get into a long discussion about the New York Jets, how we felt about this season, between the offense, the defense, and the coaching, and whether or not we're hopeful going into 2022. But before we do do that, let me go ahead and remind you to go to our social media pages on Twitter and Instagram. It's BellyUpNCR, Facebook.com forward slash BellyUpSportsNCR, and on YouTube, search for No Credentials Required, hit the subscribe button, hit the notifications button, as I've promised, and I'm holding, holding up to my New Year's intention of posting more videos. I have started to post more videos, more clips from past shows. You can go ahead and check those out on the YouTube channel. And also, if you're on the podcast side, go ahead and subscribe, leave a review. Five stars is preferred. And you can subscribe on any podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Play, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, you name it, they've got it. Leave a review, and we might even read it on the air sometime. So now here's an extended version of the Friends with Ryan segment where Again, I have Kyle and Dan. We talk about the New York Jets. I know it'll go a little long. Just bear with us. It's a lively conversation. You'll fly right through it. So enjoy Friends with Ryan. 
This is the Friends with Ryan segment, only on No Credentials Required. And welcome to a special edition of the Friends with Ryan segment with both where both friends, new and old, come to talk about sports on the No Credentials Required podcast. And this is a special episode where three New York Jets fans, lifelong Jets fans, are going to talk about this season and about the future going forward for our beloved New York Jets. So I'm going to bring in my guests. We have Kyle Rigney from the from from the Trav and Rigney podcast on Godzilla Media. We've got Dan Goldstein, who was my former co-host at Downtown Jets. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Doing pretty just good. Glad. Dan. Just glad to be just glad to be back on a podcast with you, buddy. It's long long overdue. <laughs> yeah, long overdue, man. I'm telling you. All right, so let's I'll, I'll have you guys introduce yourselves. Kyle, I'll I'll have you go first. How long have you been a Jets fan? What's your, what was your take on the season, and what's your, what's your, uh, what are your hopes going forward for this franchise? Of course. So uh, my name is Kyle Rigney, uh, co-host of the Travel Rigney podcast. Um, I've been a Jets fan for as long as I can remember. My dad did a great job of brainwashing me um, <laughs> at an early age, and my take on this season it's pretty much what I expected. I thought mm-hmm. you know. I thought we'd be probably more in the five, six, optimistically seven uh, win range. But mm-hmm. um, obviously we saw offensive struggles. I figured that would happen. I thought the defense would play a little bit better than it did. I thought the defense uh, would be more like it was in the first month of the year and a lot less like it was in the latter half of the year. Um, but, I mean, as far as that goes, it, like I said, season went pretty much how I expected it to go. Uh, rookie quarterback, rookie head coach, you don't expect a lot. All right, and and I appreciate the threat level midnight poster in the background there. It's uh, absolutely yeah, most excellent. Dan, <laughs> Mr. Goldstein, tell the tell the people who you are, uh, all the stuff I just uh, talked about that, Kyle with all that good stuff. Yeah, my name's Dan Goldstein, a South Florida born and raised Jet fan. I can thank my uh, next door neighbor growing up for uh, years and years ago for his whole fame for Brooklyn, uh, essentially put me onto the Jets. Uh, now I'm an even bigger fan than they are, and they come to me for anything they want to know Jets related. So that's cool. Um, this season, you know, a, a lot of uh, a lot of ups and downs, as to be expected with you know first years players and coaches all over the place. I just would love to see the Jets not be one of like the top five most injured teams in the league for one year. I mean, it feels literally feels like every year we have more players missing games and on IR and missing just so much time that it just you know we i feel like we haven't got to truly see like a real jets team in years because all our most of our key players just keep going down for extended periods and i'm just hoping that they can get the strength and conditioning program underway and we can just start not getting hit with such bad injury luck moving forward you know let's love to see what the offense could be with Makai in there and love to see what the offense could be with a healthy receiving core that all got to play together and an offensive line that didn't go through what nine or 10 different combinations throughout a 17 game season. So, you know, that's, that's, that's my hope moving forward more than anything else is just please stop getting injured. Like just, yeah, <laughs> really. 
Yeah, it was yeah. brutal. That was brutal. All right, so we're going to start the discussion with the offense. And for me, it was a tale of two seasons with Zach Wilson and about his development. And Dan, I'm going to throw it over to you first. What did you see throughout the season? And do you think that Zach Wilson is starting to turn the corner? I think in the beginning of the year, you you saw exactly kind of what we expected of a uh, kind of a rapid rising draft prospect that wasn't really in the limelight until his final season. You know, the NFL game is definitely going to be a lot different than what the BYU game is going to be. And I yeah. think he, I think he had some shell shock with that. I think he understood it was going to be a significant upgrade of the speed of the game and the, uh, the you know, defensive capabilities, but I don't think he truly grasped that until he got thrown into the wildfire. So mm. I, I think it was exactly what we expected. Would we would we all hoping for a Justin Herbert like season? Absolutely. I mean that would everybody would love that. But I do I do think that ultimately Zach, as the season went on, especially after he got injured. I mean anybody that listens or yeah. has read about the Jets knows that as soon as he after he came back from the injury and watched Mike White and Joe Flacco kind of live within a little bit more of the Michael Fleur offense instead of him trying to take on so much. I think he understood more what he needed to do. And he definitely put that into into his play. And you could see all the film study that started to work and and so forth. And um, I, I really think he, he turned a great corner moving forward. He didn't have those elite crazy stats, you know, no 80% completion rates for 380 yards and four touchdown games. But you saw, you saw the continual progress and you saw that the coaching – and John Beck's hire and the film study was indeed working. And that was very encouraging, you know, to, to end the season like it was, like he did. Yeah. I felt he was getting more comfortable in the system as the system moved along. And, and you got about the great point of his injury and the fact that he just got to sit and watch for four games for four weeks and just right. kind of soak it in a little bit. And he wasn't playing hero ball as, as, uh, as, as athletic writer Con, uh, Connor Hughes says, he, he wasn't playing hero ball. Uh, Kyle, uh, as much, especially as much during the, uh, the last couple weeks of the season, it translated into no turnovers, no fumble, no interceptions, no fumbles. So that was good to see. Kyle, same question to you. What do you think uh, Zach Wilson is starting to get the game in the NFL game? Is he, is he starting to cr- turn the corner into 2022? I do. Uh, early on in the year, he mentioned that. Uh, some of these mistakes that he's making, some of these interceptions, it's him learning. It, it, it's his learning curve, right? He's learning mm-hmm. what what throws he can get away with in the NFL, which ones he can't. I think he he tested himself uh, a lot in the first month or so of his career, and then like like Dan said, when he came back from his injury, I think he learned to be more conservative. He learned to be uh, just a, a better game manager. Not that necessarily that's what we're striving for here, but I think no. he managed to, as a baseline, secure that. He's able to at least be like, okay, now I can manage the game. I'm not. I'm not the reason why we're losing. Yeah, and I, and I think, I, and I think, I think that yeah, that's important. I, yeah, I think that's what Jets fans want in the end is that they want a guy who, yeah, unlike the last couple of quarterbacks we've had as Jets fans, being from Sam Donald, Mark Sanchez, Fitzpatrick, Geno Smith. Gino, yeah. Good lord. Um, even the more veteran guys that we've had, like Josh McCown, where like, oh, yeah. he's supposed to come in here and be a game manager and have the rest of the offense and defense kind of, you know, succeed, and that doesn't even work. <laughs> right, right, and it, but yeah, it's definitely it's definitely an encouragement to see him 
develop his game. Uh, and he didn't have no, he didn't have some of the games like Sam Donald did, where in, in 2018, where he kind of started seeing glimpse of him, his arm, face off against Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson, and mm-hmm. almost win those games. But you could see that he was getting more confident. He was, he was, he, he got, he he had control of that offense. He he kind of he got it. He got it. Uh, part of it was Mike Lafleur in in the box upstairs. Oh yeah, yeah. As booth. opposed to the first couple of games, him in the booth was a major upgrade for the entire offense as a whole. Mm-hmm. It's almost astounding how much of an upgrade that truly became. I mean, I I wouldn't have thought that going from the field level to the booth would have been able to provide that much improvement. But I, it was quite shocking, really, to see just how much better the Jets offense ran when LaFleur was apparently able to see everything that was going on instead of just from, you know, the, his, his sideline vantage point. Yeah, and it was actually really unfortunate timing considering Zach Wilson had gotten hurt the very next game when Mike White starts against the Bengals. McFlor go, or uh, LaFleur goes up into – I have a joke on the podcast where we call him Booth McFlor because I messed up his name one time. <laughs> so I almost <laughs> always call him Booth McFlor now. Uh, but, yeah, so LaFleur goes up into the booth, and now everybody thinks, oh, this offense runs way better without Zach Wilson and so much better with Mike White. And nobody mm. – like anybody who wasn't a Jets fan completely missed the fact that LaFleur is now in the booth and their offense is much more efficient after that. I imagine Absolutely. most of the Jets fans anyways probably didn't even realize that. I mean, if you're on Jets Facebook, you realize there's some of the dumbest people on the planet yeah. on Jets Facebook. So, Jets Facebook is, is, is terrifying is, sometimes. It's absolutely brutal. Yeah. I had to get rid of all the pages. I was like, I, I can't stand these people. So I'm bad. only a member of one. I'm only a member of one page now. It's just the only page I found that will allow me to share my content. So, uh, <laughs> but just, but Jets Facebook isn't great, but Jets Twitter is great. Awesome. Oh, I love Jets Twitter. Twitter's top amazing. Notch. So Jets top notch. Yeah, Jets Twitter is top notch. I don't I don't think there's a better Twitter. There's not a better Twitter Twitter NFL atmosphere in my in my mind. Like I know we'll get into this, but the fact that Jets Twitter was able to win rookie of the week votes for four different players is absolutely <laughs> insane. <laughs> right? That's I, I keep calling right I, I, Yeah, I mean we we're we're basically calling Zach Wilson the belt collector like Kenny Omega. I mean it's just he just that's who he is at this point. He's he's the it's the best in the world. So (laughs) we're gonna move on. Yeah. So we're gonna move on from Zach Wilson. We're gonna move into the running backs. Uh, we had a running back uh, seeing the Jets having a running back by committee in the we kind of saw that in the beginning of the season, but one running back emerged from that committee, and that was Michael Carter. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to throw this to you. Is he the feature back going forward for the Jets? I would like him to be. If uh, if Salah is bringing anything from San Francisco, we've known that San Francisco for the last few years now has run exclusively a running back by committee. There hasn't really been like a lead guy there. So I don't think that they'll do that. I don't think they'll have like an 80% workload for him, um, If whether it's 60-40 or whatever the other – uh, percentage would be he's definitely going to be the main guy um, mm-hmm. I would expect them to draft another running back probably in like the fifth or sixth round or something like that uh, you know in this upcoming draft um, Tevin Coleman I thought played better than I expected uh, normally he's like a two-yard guy but he actually ripped off a couple m- way more runs for like fit like 10 to 15 yards than I ever expected he mm-hmm. would now that was basically the bulk of what he could do he would have like one a game but i'm just like oh it's having coleman with like a 15 yard run okay he's not completely useless right. and then and ty johnson i thought was actually a major disappointment this year i thought he was going to be the yeah. one to kind of take over that secondary role and he just 
he fell flat for whatever reason. And um, he couldn't catch a pass in, in, the, in, the, in the one game, in the Miami oh, game. He that, couldn't catch a pass. That was block. awful. They couldn't trust him on third down. Exactly. Yeah. And um, so I think that, and then I, I think that P. Ryan's probably gone. He barely saw the field this year. Um, so I think Michael Carter's definitely going to stay as the main back, and then I think they'll draft somebody else because I can't see them keeping Tevin or uh, or Michael Piran. Michael Piran. Dan, same question to you, bud. I, Michael Piran is not going to be a member of the Jets in 2022. Just you know, so if anybody thinks that you're you're wrong. He's he's absolutely gone. There's he's got no use here. He was a wasted pick in 2020, and he's completely proven himself to that point so far. Uh, Michael Carter, I mean, you saw the college tape. You saw the the pairing with him and Javante Williams at UNC, just how good they were, you know, how, how both they were both so slippery and so elusive with deceptive speed for what they were. And they both came out and crushed it. And Michael Carter, I mean, you almost got the exact same guy as Javante Williams as you did in Michael Carter, but we got him two rounds later, you know. So it was yep. it was it was an amazing thing to see just that this guy fell all the way till day three. And he's he, he was spectacular. I mean, he, he ended up, I think, uh, what was it? I think he was number one in the NFL with something to do with his like elusiveness or his missed his missed tackle percentage or something like that, which is one of the most crucial statistics towards running back future running back success. So I, I absolutely think Michael Carter was a, in, as good as we all hoped he would be. I think he was an insanely pleasant surprise when it came to yeah. that. Tevin Coleman is like you said as well. I didn't think he was going to be quite as effective as he was going to be but he knew the system he was able to help you know teach the younger guys the system and, and translate it for them to help with the uh, learning curve that comes with learning a shanahan type system but especially a running system like that a very complicated zone setup um but i don't think that uh michael carter is going to be the feature back because he just doesn't have the between the tackles a bruising ability that you require for a workhorse so i do i do expect the jets to uh, probably grab somebody that's in the 215 to 230 pound range at some point in the draft to kind of be that uh, thunder and lightning type setup. Uh, and I'll, I'll give some prospects on that later on when we talk about draft prospects moving forward. I'll throw out a couple of names here that have me very intrigued. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Michael Carter deserves to be a feature back. I just, unfortunately, I don't think his body could handle a uh, Derek Henry, Jonathan Taylor like workload. Right, I agree. I, I, I'm going to throw out this question. You guys kind of got my 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 gears rolling a little bit. Do you think the Jets will try to grab like a like a fullback or an H back, uh, like San Francisco has with Kyle Jurisic uh, to help? We already open have up him. some holes. For, you already have him. Trayvon Wesco. Negative. Trayvon Wesco's gone. Nick Bodden. They they get Wesco. They're going to. He was hurt. Oh, okay. He, okay. No, he was. He was He's he was hurt gone. the last couple of games. He's not a Joe Douglas pick. He didn't work out where he, no. you know, in this in this converted fullback H back kind of setup. He offers yeah. nothing at tight end. He was supposed to be a blocker, and he's really not even that good at that. So I imagine Trayvon Wesco is another one that's going to be that won't make the final roster. And I think Nick Bodden, who they picked up uh, on free agency, I believe, or waivers uh, from if I can't remember the team, unfortunately, but he actually came in and was quite good in in the role that they they wanted him to for as far as blocking goes and and something like that not quite a use check what type weapon which they would love to have but yeah he's gonna i i think he definitely did enough to where they're going to keep him as a fullback uh moving forward so they can kind of continue this uh 
zone scheme that they want to put into place and open more holes behind APT and whoever the expected right guard will become. Is is Wesco the last of the Mike McCagnan drafts? Or no, uh, like, Qu- Quinn Williams, though. Sorry. No, but yeah, Quinn and Wesco are, I think, are the remaining two. There's probably a couple others in there, but yeah. Yeah, McCannon. Oh, Blake Cashman, the ever the uh the uh he's gone. ever injured Blake Cashman. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's gone. Still he's there. not gonna make it. <laughs> no, I think he retires considering every every year he's been he's went up on the injured the long term injured reserve. This yeah, you know, it's uh poor guy. Had so much high hopes for him. I mean you knew what you were getting in a fifth round pick. You knew what you were getting, you third round talent with, with undrafted injury concerns and you took him in the fifth, think hoping he was wasn't gonna be made of glass, but Sure yeah, I mean, he was uh, soft as a tissue. They've taken some of those swings in the past few years. I mean, look at Bryce Hall. Bryce Hall was kind of the same issue, right? Well, I mean, yeah, Bryce, had Hall, knee and ankle Bryce Hall had an ankle injury that had no, yeah. that from what doctors said, had no concern about re-injuring or causing reoccurring problems. Right. Whereas he was predicted like a third-round guy. Bryce Hall was predicted a first-round guy. Initially, people, yeah. People had Bryce Hall in the first, and then because of their – because of the injury, they figured he'd go late day two, and then he just kept falling and falling and falling. Mm-hmm. So when I looked up draft stuff that year, I saw that Bryce Hall was projected like the end of the third round, and I was like, "Oh my god, I hope the Jets like take him there because he's supposed to be really, really good." And then he kept falling and falling, and then they, when they took him in the fifth, I'm like, "I didn't even realize he was still available. <laughs> like, I can't believe he was still there." Yeah, I know. I think the rest of the NFL kind of forgot about him, too. And that's kind of how I feel. I mean, we're getting a little ahead of myself, but that's almost kind of how I feel about how Hamza Nasruddin will be looked at in a, in a couple of years. An injury guy that had high-end potential that fell all the way down to the sixth round because of it. And, you know, I, I kind of have a feeling if he could stay healthy, he's going to be looked at in a similar facet. I hope so. All right, we're going to move on to wide receiver position. Keeping wide receivers healthy was probably one of the biggest issues well, this position group, keeping them healthy was one of the biggest issues for the Jets this season. But they had they had their share of moments this year. Uh, Dan, I'm going to ask you this first. Which one of this group of wide receivers will you be excited to see more of next season? I I am fully on board with the Braxton Berrios starting slot receiver chain. I, I'm fully on board. Yes. With it. I, I absolutely believe that with the way he played with having no Corey Davis, no true X wide receiver, very blitz of pieces here of Elijah Moore, his ability to link up with what, Zach Wilson. What, Keelan Cole's not a true X receiver? <laughs> yeah, right. Yikes. Yeah, right. You know, his, his, his ability to, to be ask. so in sync with Zach Wilson and to spend his – apparently from what I understand, they were like – Braxton is the closest person Zach – excuse me, Braxton is Zach's closest friend on the team and spent the yeah. most time with him from what I read recently. So you got to keep him around. You got to give him a, an extension. I mean, you don't have to pay him huge money. You know, he just not, not like you got to pay him anything crazy. He's certainly not going to command the contracts and the slot that like Tyler Boyd or Christian Kirk are going to receive, you know, as, as, as high end slot receivers, probably not even Juju. I imagine Juju will end up getting paid more than he will, but for what he probably. showed, for what he showed, I mean, that was spectacular. I mean, it just it, the, the, the kick returning ability on top of it was just, you know, a nice, beautiful cherry on top to not have to worry about that, you know, in really any way. 
So I, I'm fully on board the Braxton Berrios as the starting slot receiver moving forward. I'd love to see him on the field for, you know, 80 to 85 percent of the offensive snaps or the passing snaps or whatever you want to call it and allow his chemistry with Zach to help him continue to grow since there's so much trust there. I, I have a quick question about Berrios. Is he our Debo? Is he a smaller version of our Debo? No, they have a totally different style. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they're a totally different. I don't know. Style. I just, I just, I just, I just see the different ways that Barrios is inserted into the offense. He could run the ball, he could throw the ball, but it's just, it's just really interesting that they they used him as a running back at some uh, in some juncture of the last couple of last what six games or so. Yeah, and he, he had his the... best no, he had his best career numbers ever. He was actually he was I amazing. Think was top, I think it was in the top top five of he PFF like, grades. I, I don't receivers. Think... I don't I don't take like PFF grades too 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 seriously, good or bad really, but I think he was like number two over like a certain period of time, like the last four or five yeah. weeks of the season as a wide receiver. I think the only person that beat him was know, like Jamar Chase, I think, or something like that. Yeah. He reminds me more of like a Antoine Randall L type. That's a good like, I think it's a good comp. Not quite the size of Randall L, but I think No, that's not yeah, comp. smaller. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's actually a very good comp. I just, you know, and then, you know, going off of Barrios too, you know, you really just hope Corey Davis can stay healthy. You know, you know I think you saw that he can't really be a game-changing, dominating type guy, but, I mean, you can get some good games out of him if he can stay healthy, and he can certainly at least attract attention to his side of the field wherever he may be lining up, which should help open up other lanes for Zach if you're not going to look his way. And then Elijah Moore is just an absolute stud. So, I mean, you get that one, you get that one, number one X wide receiver that everybody hopes we can get, you know, either draft or free agency or trade or whatever it may be and pair him with some, uh, some big ass tight ends over the middle. And this offense could really, uh, really could become something quite entertaining to watch. If uh, Zach Wilson continues his upward ascension and development. Kyle, how about you? Which, uh, which wide receiver of this group that are you most excited to see? next season yeah so with an entire wide receiving core it will be exciting to see what Corey davis can do i was a little disappointed to find out this year that he's not the number one that i think the jets tried to sell us on um but that's okay because elijah moore is in my Mm -hmm. opinion i think he will be the jets number one wide receiver i don't think the jets are going to spend a first rounder on a wide receiver this year um so i I think you're going to look at uh, yeah elijah moore will be the one going into next year uh davis will be the two braxton barris is going to be the slot guy and then they'll probably um they'll probably maybe draft a guy later and or sign a free agent to be like that that fourth wide receiver i'm pretty positive mims is gone for like a bag of potato chips and (laughs) and uh keelan cole is probably gone also well, I know, we we have a feeling that Crowder is probably going to be cut too. Yeah, Crowder's probably going to be cut. There's, there's no doubt. Uh, yeah, they're not going to bring I Crowder back, Jamie especially, Crowder, especially yeah. the way Barrios played. You don't need a guy like Crowder after the way Barrios was able to step up like that. They're just they cancel each other out. His and he would just be wasted targets by this point. Agreed. All right, so I'm going to throw this at you guys now. Calvin Ridley is all for it. All for it. All <laughs> what do you get? It. What do you get for him? What do you get for him? What do you I'm, give for him? To be honest, I'm more than happy moving down from four to eight, throwing Ridley to make the deal, and maybe if we have to throw in like a, a day three pick, that's fine with me. To get a number one, to get a number one receiver that can go deep, handle the intermediate, can handle the contested catches, that can handle the sideline. He literally is a true number one X wide receiver. That would be an absolute beautiful fit 
within the offense. So, I mean, if you've got to convince the Falcons to get rid of him, I'd be happy dropping from four to eight with Ridley as the payment to to make the drop. We have a number one wide receiver. We sit back, let a few players go off the board. And then now you don't have to worry about receiver anymore within the maybe within the entire draft, except towards way, way later if you want to draft some developmental guy, you know, something like that. I'm I'm perfectly okay with doing something like that. Or throw him a you know a day two and a day three pick. If you don't want to move anything around with your first, throw him throw him the Carolina second and see if you have to throw him, you know, the myth the um not the Minnesota fifth, the Pittsburgh fifth. If you got to do something like that, do a two and a five to make the move. No problem. All day. Well, yeah, I, I know for- I'm okay with it also. I just, I was, I would be surprised. I think if they made that kind of investment um, again, as a fan, love it. Give Zach Wilson all the weapons he needs to succeed in this offense. And I do think he is that dominating number one receiver that we will need. However, do you find the mental health, thing a problem do you think that this is a thing that will continue or do you feel like that's an atlanta thing he was miserable there i i think it could have been an atlanta thing uh but it it is concerning but if the jets surround him with good people uh who can help him if he has if he's having an issue with the mental health then yeah absolutely it it could but also could have been the fact that he was miserable in atlanta because he you know he was julio jones's so Julio Jones is what number he was like number two or number three for yeah. Atlanta for for quite a while when Julio Jones was there. Uh, but you got to remember this: C.J. Mosley is an Alabama guy, as is Calvin Ridley. Mm-hmm. They're both Alabama guys, and Alabama guys want Alabama guys in their team. So I would bet anything that C.J. Mosley is has been appealing to Joe Douglas, saying we get whatever you. Do whatever it takes to get this kid up here because we need him in our offense. I, when Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You know, the, the mental health thing is so difficult to, to go because you don't know what the cause of it was. You know, right. it could have had nothing to do right. with football. He could have had so much family shit going on behind the scenes that, like, he just couldn't invest his focus into the football game. And it may have nothing to do with the Falcons. Is that po- – I mean, is it possible? Sure. Is it probable? Probably not. But 
I mean, yeah, it could have been everything to do as well with the Falcons and and for whatever reason, you know, whatever qualms he had with their front office or offensive scheme or coaches or, you know, what have you. But without, I mean, we'll never truly know unless Calvin really decides to come out and say, this is what was going through my head, you know, not just like that vague, like, yeah, I'm struggling with things, but I got good people around, but like, like, this is what went on. Like, this is how I felt. This is why I stepped away. This, you know, unless he does that, we'll never truly know 100% what the no. cause of it, it was. We can only speculate. And quite which frankly, is why it's it doesn't business. Concern, which is it, why it doesn't concern me because it's just like you can't, you can't harp over it. The, the Jets will ask their questions to his representatives, to the Falcons. You know, I'm sure they'll make the phone call to kind of de- to figure out you know, the value, what the Falcons are going to ask and, you know, see if they gather what intel they can gather for it and so forth. But, you know, if, if he's if he's truly committed to football, I, again, I, I don't really think there's too much of a price you can pay for a guy like what Ridley could do for this offense. No, Especially and, and similar to – yeah, and especially as similar to you know, in, in hockey, Carey Price is a he's a huge superstar goalie. He decided to take the first couple months, you know, first month of the season off due to dealing with his mental health issues. And I can say that uh, to as to what he was struggling with, I can just say that it's really none of our business until unless he wants to say so, unless he exactly. wants to say, "This is my story. This is why I left the team." this and that and not much better place i'm ready to return the football so but i, I don't know if i would give a first I mean, i'd trade down from four to eight i mean you, you'd have two out of the three you still have two top 10 picks but i would say maybe our the carolinas the, the number two pick the, the second round pick that's carolinas and maybe a, a fourth but maybe i'm a little balling here i don't mean i I don't know. I don't know. I, I the risk and the reward. High it's high risk, high reward. But again, it's it's high reward, and you can take Zach Wilson to the next level. So be it. I mean, a four. It literally. I mean, is really a four a four spot drop in the first round in the top ten that big of a deal to secure a dominant number one receiver and still not lose any picks. Again, I do it all day. I, I, I do it all day. I, I really do. Like, I don't even think twice. If the Falcons called me and said, we'll give you eight and Ridley for four, and, you know, I don't know, if you have to come up with some sort of crappy little minor compensation, you know, day, my small conditional day three pick, I take it all day long. Absolutely all day long. doesn't matter. doesn't matter who's on the board. It's not if, if Hutchinson and Thibodeau are off the board, then by that point it makes zero difference to me who's still available. Cause are the Falcons trading up for a quarterback? Uh, no, not in this draft class. We'll get with no, that. Later. That, no, that's I'm, the tough part for me. Be, that's why I don't know if they would do it. That I don't would see be, any top. I don't see any top ten if quarterbacks I, going in the top ten. No, I don't really. Honestly. I mean, I just maybe maybe one if someone gets iffy or they they start blowing up the off season a little bit. You know, the combine and the interviews and such. Uh, I, I think more Atlanta probably jumps up to try and get that third edge rusher because their edge presence is absolutely atrocious and there's no guarantees that Carl. Yeah, Loftus, no pass rush. No. Yeah, it's no, no guarantees that Carl this gets past the Giants two picks before them. So I think that would probably be what they'd want to do would be to try and maybe secure that edge three and make sure that they have him set up for that. That's my opinion. Who knows? Kyle Hamilton's amazing too. So maybe they just want Kyle Hamilton as the do it all, do everything safety unicorn. That hey, he is. Joe, Joe Douglas has been swindling teams for the last two seasons. Hopefully this one, if they swindle another team, this one might pan out for the best. Uh, 
I mean, that's that's about the one thing you can say. I mean, that's the one definitive thing I think you can say about Joe Douglas right now. It's just how he's literally won. <laughs> it seems like every single trade he's done and one handedly, yeah. like handedly. Yeah, I agree. His his trading has been off the charts. Um, his 2020 draft class uh, a little iffy there. Not 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 great. Um, but you know, we'll see how Makai ends up. Uh, you know, panning out over the net over these next few years, but what? the 2021 draft yeah. class has been amazing so far. Yeah, 2021 has been great. 2020, I hope it pans out. They 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 say that they want to keep. And speaking of wide receivers, they say they want to keep Mims and see how it develops. I personally think he's nah, he's lost. He's gone. gone. No, you he's can see gone. the anger. Yeah. You can deal him for a fourth and a fourth or a fifth. So, yeah, right, sorry, he's long gone. He's not. He's not going to be on the team anymore. He's he's in the he's he's so far in the doghouse right now. I could get on the field before he would. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I said, you could see Salah's like the anger in Salah's face whenever he's on the field. Uh it's yeah. he's 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 long gone. He's he's one of those guys that goes for a, he'll go for like a conditional sixth. He'll go for like a twenty twenty four conditional sixth. Just take Agreed. him the hell off. Take him the hell off my team and take his crappy little cap hit with you. Yeah, or some like or some like fifth string cornerback or something like that, just to see if we can coach somebody up. Yeah, his crappy exactly. ladder drill. I have, I, have, so, I have a feeling my prediction for Denzel Mims is he gets traded to the Kansas City Chiefs. I can see it. That's my yeah. prediction. I can see him going there. I can see him going to the Rams. I can see him going to... Mm. I don't know why Raiders comes to mind for me. I could see him getting traded I can there. See, for I, I can see it. Well, considering one of their one of their ex-receivers was is now in jail. Yeah, yeah. I could probably see him going there. So, moving on from the wide receivers, we're going to go over the tight ends. Uh, tight ends rotated in and out throughout the season. Is what this the ends? primary position on the offense the Jets need to address in the offseason? Kyle, I'm going to throw it to you first. Um, I, I, see Dan, I, say, I see Dan vigorously shaking his head, but I want to get your opinion first. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a yes, but it's also a no for me. Um, if you're talking okay. about free agency, it's 100% yes. I think mm-hmm. that I think the, the Jets throw the bag at Dalton Schultz. Or a couple bags, however many bags the Jets own, throw them all at Dalton Schultz, and then go. And then if we're talking about wide receiver, or if we're talking about um, uh, the draft needs, I'm, I'm I want offensive line for me anyway. I, you know, I could probably see you. Know, I could probably see him go for also just to get a couple more good years out of him. Is Zach Ertz? He's got connection with Joe Douglas from his Philadelphia days. Could probably he's 30, even though he's thirty what thirty one or thirty two years old. Yeah, you could probably still get. Two solid seasons out of him for probably what eleven mil, eleven mil for both seasons, and maybe maybe draft a, a tight end or get a developmental tight end who can learn from him. And, I think that's okay. Uh, I think that's okay. I think that would have been done already, though. I think that they would have made that trade during the season when Zach Ertz was uh, obviously getting traded. He, they tried to trade him before the season started, and nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jets were huge in the rumor mill of being like into Zach Ertz, and nothing materialized out of it. And I think that there, there's, there's a big reason why, because I think yeah, that I, they're not they're not going for age here. They're going to actually try to build this team, and I think Dalton Schultz is a good candidate for that. I would say I would say Schultz first. Ertz second. If they can't get Schultz, they can try to get Ertz. I think it's Schultz one, two, and three. And if you fail on that, then you fail miserably. I, I think Joe Douglas should absolutely be telling his agent, if you ever get an offer better than mine, you need to call me right back. I'll beat it again. I, I am <laughs> fully on board with overpaying tremendously for Dalton Schultz this year in order mm-hmm. to guarantee the Jets have some sort of talent and then still 
grabbing a, a tight end on day two that would allow us to run 12 personnel in the offense. You, you have you have to Dalton Schultz should be our number one team free agency target above anybody else in all positions. Makes no difference to me that it, it should be Dalton Schultz. The problem is a lot of other teams are going to feel the same way because he's legitimately about the only tight end that's really worth a damn in free agency this year. Gesicki's just a large slot receiver. So, you know, he's not going to be a fit for what we want. So realistically, I think you have to go. I mean, I think I think Sport, Sport Track has his his uh, average annual value somewhere around the range of like twelve point three million dollars, which From I think 15. Put, yeah, I would. Yeah. Again, I this is I think he's I think his production, his ascension from year over year, he's continually progressing, gotten better and better. He's he, he is a top five tight end in the league at this point. Maybe it, you, yeah. you could argue you could argue maybe a couple of spots there. Guaranteed top five to seven tight end in the league. Way better than anything the Jets have had. I don't know, fill in the blank there. Oh, I was gonna say the last decade had a top thirty tight end this year. <laughs> yeah. You know, fill, no. fill in the blank as far as that goes. I think with the amount of cap space the Jets will have already have plus will have with with some other cuts coming through this season, I think Dalton Schultz is absolutely the person where you blow every offer out of the water you you absolutely blow it out of the water and if it takes 15 million to sign him if it takes dalton schultz getting paid more than travis kelsey at this point with the way the state of the team and the financial cap that we have i I think you make it happen i mean maybe it's not the smartest idea from a football business standpoint but you can't make the same mistakes we did around Darnold and not surround him with talent so you have to no. you you have to come correct. Like Joe Douglas has no, to come it, correct, and Dalton yeah. Schultz is my number one target. Yeah, I I, th- I think Joe Douglas has learned from the Sam Donald experience that yeah, I need to do a better job surrounding my future my future franchise quarterback with a a line who can block me. We'll get to the line in just a second, but also b talent around him to make him to to make him the one of the elites in the league. And I did tweet. I did send up to my Twitter account yesterday. I, after Dalton Schultz had those had a couple of catches during the game to kind of get Dallas in a position to try to take the lead or or get get back on track. I, I wrote New York Jets tight end Dalton Schultz. I will tweet this into existence. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it sounds great. I'm all, I'm all for it. I'm not a religious man, but I'm praying for him every night. This, this is this this is this is now a Dalton Schultz stand podcast. So, sure. so, so let's move on from tight ends. We're going to get to the core, which I believe is the pillar of every of both sides both sides of the ball. That's offensive line, like the wide receivers. They had a tough time remaining healthy this season, but the group started to get better as the season went along, even with all his combinations. So, Dan, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to throw this over to you. Which one of this group? Which which offensive lineman from this group do you felt did you feel was the most consistent throughout the season? Consistent, I would have to say probably George Fan. I mean, if you're if you're talking consistency, I think George Fan came in week in and week out and really played above expectations. I mean, certainly he wasn't a Pro Bowler, but he led he kept Zach clean. He he, yeah. he did he kept Zach clean, and there's there's not much you could there's not much more you could have asked for in this situation. I mean, we all thought when Fant got signed three years ago, we all thought he was, or two years ago, excuse me, because going on his third year, that he was going to be a one year and done. You know, yeah. he, he got a three year, $27 million deal. And you figured it was going to be the first year and the other two had no cap hits. And now 
we're all clamoring to bring him back. Uh, yeah. You know, like at, even at his Absolutely. ten plus ten plus million dollar cap hit, we all thought he was going to be a guaranteed cap casualty. At this point now, I don't see how you get rid of him. I don't see how you do it with with Morgan Moses being a free agent and probably going to get more than what the Jets are going to willing to pay for a swing tackle with Mackay Becton being at a complete unknown anomaly at this point, thanks to his inability to recover from injury. I think George Fant was easily the most consistent. As far as the best lineman we had, though, I think while he started slow, I think Connor McGovern came on insanely strong as the season went on. And he, he I have a bone to pick with that, by the way. Honest, yeah, he <laughs> finished the year quite strong. And I think overall he did become the best offensive lineman that the, the Jets trotted out. And AVT looks like a pro bowler in the making. I think he just has to – there's a few things he needs to clean up. But AVT looks like an absolute dominant piece in the making. So we just got to see what they can do. I, I mean, personally for me, I really hope that they keep – fan if they don't draft the tackle high which i guess they could but i, I would prefer they didn't this year i kind of really hope they keep fan at left tackle and try and convince Beckton to go to the right i i, yeah, I, I do that's that's my hope well i i thought the best offensive lineman for the year was avt i i, I said to both of you on te- our text message i said i said i will defend to the death that avt is the rookie of the year for the jets this season and I, I he was one of the better linemen in the lineup this year. Most consistent too. He was also the healthiest. I think he started in what sixteen out of seventeen games this season. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think he only missed one. Yeah. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Well, they missed one star, yeah. But I think the the one plug, the one hole they got to plug is that right guard position. Uh, I hope they bring back Dr. Uh, Lawrence Duvernay Tardif, MD. But it's all consi- it's all depends on whether or not he wants to go back up to his home in Montreal and practice medicine there. So if he re- he decides to retire from football and go into medicine full time then the Jets might need to try to plug that area. Um, Greg Van Roten was streaky, so streaky this year. One game he would look terrible. The next game he would be like, what, top five, top ten PFF rating. He reminds me He reminds me so much of Brian Winters. Brian Winters yeah. had games where he would I pancake people, and then the next game he was an absolute turnstile. Mm-hmm. I hated Brian Winters. Yeah, it was awful to watch him. Yeah, I get the same vibes from Greg Van Rotten, where I'm just like, or Roten, where I'm just like, I can't, I can't tell if you're gonna be good or if you're just pretending for one game. I don't know what's well, happening. The, yeah, well, there were some games we looked absolutely 
Greg Van Rotten. So yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> Bad it was moment. awful. I, I don't know. I, I just I really hope that Fant stays on the left. I hope they don't try and shoehorn him on the right tackle because he's just he's just not it. it He's so trained to be a left tackle and he's so nimble and his footwork's so good at it that to try and reverse everything and throw him to the right, I think would just be a disaster. Whereas Becton played right tackle in college before he moved to the left. So he yeah. has the experience doing that. And I, I just think the line overall, would Becton like it? Probably not. I mean, right tackles theoretically just don't get paid as much as left. So I'm sure no. he would almost kind of say, consider it a demotion in a way. But for what's best for the team, I think you've got to try and do everything in your power to make Becton happy while putting him on the right tackle side and not have, you know, some sort yeah. of negative Nancy out there that doesn't want to play because he's, you know, because he's whining about losing his position. Yeah. But no, we don't we don't want him to turn into the Denzel Mims of the offensive line. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Go ahead, Kyle. I'll, so I'll I was just, what I was going to say. Oh, so I was just going to ask Dan, because it seems like he really has done his research with the uh, the college prospects so far. Um that's why he was my co-host for for a year (laughs) yeah uh evan neal is he is he a left tackle or a right tackle guy or can he play both he's one of those guys who could plug in either spot that's the beautiful thing about him i mean going to he he was trained at img academy to handle all all everything position but center he nice he can play literally any spot except center He's just too tall for center. You couldn't do it. I mean, hell, he's even too tall to be a guard. He's six seven, but he has the nimbleness Great. to make it work in the bend actually, because he's so he's so large up top that he can actually get low with his bend and uh, actually play guard, which is another. I hear people trying to say like draft a tackle and put you know let's say Evan Neal at this point, put Evan Neal at one side, but back to the other and move Fant to guard. That will not work. Fant cannot play guard. <laughs> Fan, See, fan. I had a similar, I had a similar um, idea, except it was put Becton at left guard and put, no, and put too, um, AVT, but he's too big, right? He's too yeah, big. He's yeah, too, he's yeah, way, he's way, way too tall. And the problem with Fant is Fant nimble enough to play in the interior. He's not strong enough. That's gotcha. Fant's issue. If you notice, Fant's all pass blocking. He's all speed and able to mirror speed rushers in their moves. But when you try and use power on George Fant, that's where he starts to struggle. He just doesn't have the the core strength, the anchor, and the upper body strength to hold his spot without getting bent over, or I mean, excuse me, without getting stood up and pushed back and losing his leverage. You can't put him at guard. He's his. If you could take his movement skills and put him at guard, spectacular prospect. But you need somebody that's squatter, that's stronger than what he can handle. I mean, the 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 Aaron Donalds and Ed Oliver. Well, let's let's keep it in division. The Ed Olivers and Christian Wilkins of the worlds would eat George Fan for breakfast if you tried to put him at guard. Like it would be a disaster. So, so, what's your solution for the offensive line then? Is it just is it just to keep Fan at left tackle, move back to the right, and then draft a guard, or do you keep the doctor at guard? I, I, I think I think you definitely re-sign LDT. I think absolutely you give him a, a decent a decent deal. Nothing crazy, but I think you give him a decent deal and you bring in a guy for competition, you know, a second round guy like Zion Johnson or Darian Kennard would be a real good battle. And then this way either LDT wins the battle and you have developmental high end developmental depth behind him ready to take over when once he leaves, or mm-hmm. he gets beat out. And you have a very experienced, smart player helping the rookie acclimate to the pro game as he learns 
between McGovern and Becton as well. You know, so to me, yeah, Fant stays on the left. Becton needs to go to the right. And I think you kind of look at the off interior offensive line high end. I will say my third prospect, my number three prospect that I actually want the Jets to go after behind Dalton Schultz and Marcus Williams is James Daniels, the center guard from the Chicago Bears. That, to me, okay. you could make that deal. That, to me, to, to me, James Daniels is a home run. Forget the Brandon Scherfs of the world. He's going to command top-dollar money. And Once he's old. You're, you're only going to get half a season with him, if, they, if you're yeah. lucky. The Jets cannot afford to take a guy with, with so much injury issues anymore. You just, you just can't do it. You need to find a guy that's going to stay healthy. And Daniels has missed a little bit of time, but nothing crazy. And he's played he's extremely underrated with how he's played for Chicago since he's been drafted in 2018. And I think he's the guy that uh, would be a plug in play. Just would, would turn our line from a top 15 to a top six, to a top six offensive line. If, if you can get Becton to commit to the transition of right tackle. So I'm looking at spot track right now and Laurent, Duvernay Tardif made eight point four million this year. So do you sign him for a one year nine mil and try to convince him to stay? Or do you let him practice medicine and try to go through the draft? Or maybe see if Cameron Clark comes back from his injury. Uh although he hasn't really I hasn't keep played it that all. his injury is career threatening. It is career threatening. Oh, that's, that's what okay. I hear. I keep hearing his his that what whatever whatever the next thing that truly happened. I keep hearing mm-hmm. it's a it's a career threatening thing that the Jets just don't truly know if he's actually going to be able to take the field again. So I mean, at this point, yeah. you can't really count on him to to give you anything more than moral support. I don't know if I want to give LDT that much money though, especially if you don't know if you're going to hand him the job. Well, and Morgan Moses made only three point six mil this year. He's, he's going to get more than that. Yeah, yeah. Morgan, I don't think Morgan Moses stays around unless the Jets can somehow convince him to be their swing tackle for like a five point five million dollar a year deal, like two years, twelve million. You know, five point five guaranteed or something. That's a, that's about the only thing. I only way I see Morgan Moses coming back, and even then, I don't think he'll do it. I think he'll command starter money somewhere. Somebody will need a right tackle. That yeah, so might be more than happy to have him. Yeah. yeah, I see Morgan Moses going to one of these playoff teams that just couldn't protect a passer, and that's the reason why they lost. And then they sign him for like 10, 11, 10, 11 mil for a year or something like that just to try and get I, back to the Super Bowl. I bet he probably goes to the Buccaneers just for depth purposes. Because they, 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 they couldn't pre- – well, Worfs was hurt, and then whoever took over for him couldn't protect couldn't protect Brady I, yesterday. I don't think – Even if though they won, won convincingly. Yeah. If he's going to stay for depth purposes, he may as well stay here where he has more of a shot to play over Tampa Bay, unless he wants to chase the ring. I mean, sure. You know, if I'm you want to try sure and chase the championship, that's that's fine, too. If the money's right, sure, go to Buffalo or, or excuse me, go to Tampa Bay or New York. Well, well he turns he turns he turns 31 soon, so he's probably going to want to chase that chase the ring. Yeah, I, I think that's somebody I, there's still enough. There's still enough tackle weak teams out there where he'll find somebody willing to give him the starting job. Just not for crazy, you know, super high money. But I think he'll find. I think after his play this year, he put enough good on stuff, good stuff on film. Where I, I have a feeling he's gonna he's gonna catch a team for a one year, ten and a half, eleven million dollar deal to be their starting their starting tackle for the year. Oh yeah, for uh, sure. The Ravens yeah. or somebody like that, maybe. Yeah, yeah, Ravens, maybe Kansas City. You know, because that Wiley guy is atrociously bad. So <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Because there's just so many different teams out there that could use him. 
we'll we'll find out and we'll find out at the beginning of March. All right. So we're switching over to the other side of the ball, defense. Let's talk about the defense for a few minutes. Starting on the defensive line, this group had a great first five weeks of the year. Then everything kind of went to hell with injury and with teams kind of figuring out how this team, how this line worked and how they performed for the rest of the year. Do you guys think that throws to Kyle first to Kyle? Do you think their effort was of being sporadic of, of this effort of the, the result of this effort, giving up so many yards on run defense? Was it just being a sporadically healthy group, or did just or did offensive line, offensive um, opposing offenses just figure that I'm out? I think it's a it's a combination, or a combination of, of both. Yeah, I think it's it's a, it's a slight combination of the both. I think I also think it has a lot to do. <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Um, I think it has a little bit to do with scheme and the fact that the defense is just keeping everything in front of them. Let them mm-hmm. run on us a little bit. We're not going to let any big plays go deep. Well, <laughs> I think that, that was the, I think that was the most. I think that was probably like the bulk of it. Because if you so, see a lot of these, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these plays, you see like a couple of defensive linemen get through, and then, and then the running back just happens to sneak by them. I don't, I don't know. It, 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 it's really tough. I mean, I think that I think Carl Lawson going down in the preseason was probably one of the yeah. most disappointed, one of the most disappointed I've ever been seeing a player get hurt before the season starts. I was so excited to see him play. Yeah, and the fact that Vinny Curry also went out. Because of an internal an internal issue with his I guess with his, with his heart is some sort of blood condition blood, where he blood disorder of some sort yeah yeah the blood disorder God bless you Kyle um, but uh, but yeah it was just two of your two guys who you figure were going to help out the pass rush this year go down that even before the season began and that early in training camp was just was a huge blow to that defensive line. It was, uh, yeah, Dan, it was, same question. Dan, same question to you. I think a lot. I mean, obviously, injuries going to take a massive factor into this. I mean, Dan. I mean, everybody. It feels like everybody got hurt for an extended period of time on the defense. It, it, that was just mm-hmm. insane. You know, I mean, by the end of the, you know, we were starting. I think what we were starting, we were starting line linebackers four, five, and six. I think by like week four, or week five, or something like that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, well, how, how long did it take for the safeties to go down? I mean, I, we were starting safeties five and six as well. From by the time like that point happened as well. I mean, we so fast that the whole middle of our defense just collapsed due to injury, and then not having Carl Lawson or, or Vinny Curry as his depth. I think it all just it all just took a toll. Plus, the defense is so aggressive. The defense yeah. is such an aggressive attacking push defense that all those delays and draws and such were meant specifically for that let them think it's a pass play then all of a sudden hand it off to the running back and quinn and williams and jfm are three and a half yards up the field and there's just yeah. a massive gap in, in, in the in the a gap and there are the b gap wherever they left open and now all you're going to do is outrun quincy williams which isn't exactly the hardest thing for most running backs in the league to do and bam you, you break up for eight nine 12 yards almost every time. I mean, that Indianapolis game was a perfect thing of it. Indianapolis played, oh. played the Jets like a fiddle with the run game. And Jonathan Taylor's an excellent prospect. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, he he 
blew everybody out of the water this year. He was spectacular. Yeah. But specifically, you could very, very easily see Indianapolis knew exactly this type of style, the defense the Jets were running, and had the perfect play calls every single time to take advantage of the Jets' aggressiveness to try and get in the backfield and sack the quarterback in that attacking defense. So, you know, just I think I think what Salah and, and Ulrich need to do this year is really kind of understand that, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, like go after the quarterback, like let them pin their ears back and go. I mean, that's why you got Carl Lawson, and that's what Quinn and Williams kind of does almost best I mean, it's also a spectacular run defender for the most part but i think that um you also need to learn like at some point you need to put some confusion in there and dial it back you know all these teams are going to play that style against you because they know it's coming you need to kind of flip the script on them and and really like not push so hard when it comes to trying to just get to the quarterback as quick as possible up the middle because you leave yourself so vulnerable to those delayed runs and draws that way I had a couple questions for you two about this. Um, how do we feel about the John Franklin Myers extension so far? It, it was great. What I, I... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Felt like he was. It was great when he got it. I was super happy for him, and then he kind of disappeared for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Kind of showed yeah, a little. He uh, earned uh, it up uh, until the point he got it. <laughs> right, he, and then the, the yeah. Texans. And then in the Texans game, he had that monster game, and then he kind of disappeared again. So yeah. I, I kind of wonder what's how what they're gonna do. I mean, I mean they'll have their their end of year talks, their exit interviews, and they'll they'll talk about some things, and they'll probably do some things over the year. But I think. One thing they, I hope they, and they probably they're probably doing this and probably not seeing it because up here in upstate New York we don't see Jets games we don't see we don't see the Jets on TV enough. Right. <laughs> so Florida, that's part of the issue. Just office. yeah. <laughs> so not being able to see what they do on defense, whether they're just bull rushing guys on on a on, on a on a passing play or they're running stunts or I would like to see what what kind of things are going to work on for the for the. For the uh, for the off season, maybe do some talks or do some, have some you know do some talking or do some uh, just talk about what kind of schemes difficult different schemes are going to try to run on the defensive line. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, JFM JFM was kind of a mixed bag this year for me. Yeah, Great I agree. Potential, he just needs to he just needs to to really put his his. His potential. You need, you need to keep him at three tech. You need to keep him on the interior D line at three tech, where he can his quickness can can overwhelm centers and guards. He's not. He just doesn't. He's he's only two hundred eighty five pounds. I and mean, I say only like like that small, but I mean for the edge position, that's that's just it's not an it's just not enough for for what 
the system requires for him to do. He just doesn't have the the bend and the flex that is required of a consistent edge dominator. If you can keep him at three tech where he's analytics and stats show he is significantly better at being, you have your starting interior D-line with him and Quinnen right there. It's just you got to get the edge figured out. I mean, you have to get the edge figured out. So, yeah. yeah. Which I think will obviously help a lot more once once Lawson's back in the fold. I mean, maybe Bryce Huff can actually be decent. I don't really see it. I hope that we find another guy through the uh, draft. But yeah, Huff was one of those really great great diamond in the rough finds. Just too bad he got hurt and wasn't. In the yeah, lineup yeah. His, the his he, he caused so much havoc in that Tennessee game. His pass rush Man. win rate was like something like like absurd. Something like sixteen point three percent. Which was, I'd, I'd it, love insane. to see him do it for a whole season. Yeah, I'd love just, to see it. I don't. I don't know what kind of player we're truly going to get back with Carl Lawson. Now, now we got a guy with two ACL tears and an Achilles tear in his lower body. Yeah, I just. I don't rough. know what kind of player you're truly. He, he's going to come back as. I mean, Achilles injuries for running backs and pass rushers and cornerbacks are almost are, are almost change the direction of your career. Yeah, almost so career ending usually. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, yeah, he he's got the head on his shoulders, you know. You know, God did this for a reason. You know, his whole thing. You know, God wouldn't have wanted this to happen if it, it, it you know, whatever, however he's he worded it, et cetera. So he's got the work ethic to keep working at it every day. Uh, as a matter of fact, so you know he's putting in the work in to try and rehab it as best as possible. But at the end of the day, I just I just don't know even his elite work ethic is going to be enough to overcome whatever potential expected sap and, and explosiveness and, and ability he's going to have and you know i don't i just don't know if we can count on him being the carl lawson we were reading about in camp again i mean we, we just won't know until we see it right okay. uh, one more question about the d-line for you guys um i found it very disappointing that quinnon williams only played about 55 percent of the total saps, snaps on the season um do you think that's what keeps him explosive that that's what keeps him producing or do you think that they're just they just need to play him more I think having, well, I was going to say, I think, I think rotating him in and out and having, I mean, the last part of the year, I remember him, he, well, he missed the Jacksonville game due to COVID protocol, but he was also struggling with a shoulder injury Mm -hmm. in the last couple, last, what, three or four games of the year. So I think part of it had to do with health. The other part of it just is, I think they want to keep him fresh for those really uh, pivotal moments during during close games like they had during the last part of the season. I think that's probably what they want to do. It wasn't, it wasn't, I don't think it was a matter of conditioning. It was just a matter of that. He's just the Jets think of him as that talented and that much a part of their defensive line, the defensive unit that he can be elite, uh, but they want him in very pivotal moments to be his at his best. And I think that's why they rotate him in and out so often. I think it just has to do a lot too with the lack. He's literally the only high high end talent they had on that D line this year. Mm-hmm. John Franklin yeah. Myers, you know, you could you can call him middle of the road elite elite at points at the three tech, but mainly middle of the road kind of a guy. Foley Fadakasi is strictly a run guy, and he's gone. He's he's going to leave this year. I don't think the Jets are going to pay up for him. Nathan Shepard was one of the worst defensive tackles in the league this year. Jonathan Marshall's a seventh round project. So it's just I think a lot of Jets fans are sleeping on just actually how big of a need defensive tackle is. I, I really do. I think defensive tackle is a much bigger need 
than most Jets fans truly realize. And I think that uh, it would not surprise me to see the Jets actually throw a uh, one of their day two picks at a high end defensive tackle prospect like a like a Trayvon Walker from Georgia or a, a um, Perrion Winfrey from Oklahoma, somebody that could pair up or uh, with um, JFM and or Quinnen and give them a more dominant rotation on the interior to, to kind of help that. Because like I said, I think Nathan Shepard, I think is a cut candidate. I don't think he, he may make it into training camp, but I don't think he makes it the, through final cuts. Uh, I think Folofati Kasi chases the bag the, the somewhere else where uh, he's getting more willing to pay. And and just the line is the line is a lot lighter than you think, than, than a, lot of, a lot of Jets fans actually realize. So I, I think there's between that and, the lack of edge presence D line is not quite the strength we all expected it to be. And yeah. uh, I think that got exposed quite a bit this year. I agree. All right. So speaking of the front seven, we're talking about the linebacker position now and linebacker CZ Mosley voted team MVP and deservedly. So he was clearly the best jet on the field this season. My question to you guys, I'll start with Kyle. I'll start with Kyle. Uh, actually, I'll start with Dan this one. Should Joe Douglas try to find another linebacker to compliment him for next season, and if so, do they just try to do one through the draft, or do they try to do one through free agency? Yeah, unfortunately, at the moment, I'm not familiar enough with who's available in free agency to know for certain. I can I know that the will linebacker spot is insanely weak, and Gerard Davis was absolutely atrocious in his time at Sam linebacker. Uh, but before Davis was in, I mean, we had Jeremy and Jamie and Sherwood another Achilles injury, unfortunately, but Jamie and Sherwood was actually playing quite admirably for a rookie at the strong side linebacker spot that actually made it really look like he had a potential future as maybe a a mid range to above average starter by year three. So again, he's another player. Let's see what he looks like coming out. He was already kind of a slower guy though. So to have an Achilles injury, I almost think Jamie and Sherwood's probably done before he even got started. So uh, right. To me, to me, I think I think linebacker is going to be one of those all-encompassing positions where I think you got to look at every facet to figure out how you can improve that. I think Quincy Williams was a very nice find uh, yeah. off the waiver wire. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he certainly he certainly played well above anybody and everybody's expectation. Uh, but don't confuse yourself in thinking that he's actually really good. I mean, he's absolutely terrible in coverage. He can't cover a lick off a running back or a tight end at all. Uh, but he's 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 very instinctual, very good at diagnosing plays behind the line of scrimmage. But you know you can only use him, and and you know he's only a first and second down kind of linebacker. You can't really rely on him to be there on third down. So I think uh, <clears throat> I think linebacker definitely gets uh, gets some serious looks in, in the draft this year. And I also think that they're going to look to sign. If I had to take a guess, I think they're going to try and sign another strong side linebacker. Uh, they're going right, to let Dave so- walk. I'll give you some notable names uh, according to Spot Track. Thank you, Spot Track. Uh, some notable names in the linebacking position that are going to free agency this this this, this coming offseason. Von Miller, no. no. Chandler Jones, yeah, maybe. Dead. She's not linebacker. Dante Hightower, no, no. Anthony Barr, who the Jets swung and miss on uh, uh, about four Jets years ago. Him. Jets legend Anthony Barr. Jets yeah. legend Anthony Barr. Uh, Hassan Reddick from the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Jared Davis. Jared Davis is a free agent as well. If we want to keep the Jets, want to keep him around. Um, let's see who else. Christian Kirksey, Leighton Vanderesh. Uh, he's a free agent. Uh, Melvin Ingram. He's edge. 
So those are some of the notable names according to Spot Tracker are open in yeah, free there's, agency. There's not much. See, there's just not much there. I mean, there's a lot of names, but none of them really fit what the Jets want to do, with maybe the exception of Hassan Reddick. But Hassan Reddick essentially got moved from linebacker to edge and flourished in Arizona when he made that move. So I, I think moving forward, I don't think Hassan Reddick is going to go back into the linebacker position. He was drafted as a linebacker, but he's transitioned to edge. He's almost done the exact same thing that Micah Parsons has done. He was drafted as a linebacker, but he's essentially been a he's essentially been almost an edge player for the Cowboys. And I think Hassan Reddick took a similar step. I would not be I, I would not be opposed to signing Hassan Reddick, but I think you have to really have a plan to figure out how you want to use him. He's not just I think a sure. fucking play guy. You need to you need to tool your defense around a player like him to make sure you're maximizing his capabilities. No, and, and having sure I think having Sherwood back healthy next year, I think Nasraldine I think Nasraldine probably developing the safety. Mm. I think Nas, I yeah. think Nasraldine should or he could be or, or he could be that hybrid guy that you know, I, I uh, uh solid once in his defense. Kyle, what about you? Do you think uh Free agency or draft for a compliment to CJ Mosley? Um, much like Dan, I don't really see, you know, any super notable names here. Um, I do have the spot track list up for inside linebacker. Quan Alexander's on the list, and so is like Reggie Raglin and Alec Ogletree, but I don't really see any of these guys like truly fitting in or being um, you know, the the next the next like uh focal point of this defense. So I think they're gonna go draft with linebacker. Okay. I mean, they, all those guys you just didn't play Mike. They play C.J. Mosley's position. Exactly, yeah. You know, so most of those guys you even named, too, play Mike. So it's just there's we're filled with inside linebackers when what we need is four three outside linebackers to mm-hmm. be able to complete our defense. So I, I just I, – I don't know. I have a feeling that um, – I have a feeling that Sam gets a Sam linebacker gets signed. I couldn't begin to try and name one with you without looking at a prospect list, but I have a feeling that a Sam linebacker gets signed and a will linebacker gets drafted. And, um, you know, again, I'll name some prospects here a little bit later as we talk draft prospects, because there's everybody knows the one that comes to mind here because he played phenomenal in the championship game. Um, but he would be a, you know, Nicobe Dean would be an absolute plug-and-play rock star at Will Linebacker in this defense. Even Kyle Hamilton, too, is a kind of unicorn, all-you-can-do all type guy. But, um, yeah, I think Sam I think Sam Linebacker gets signed. I think Will Linebacker gets drafted very high within the, within the draft. And, um, uh, and then I think multiple, multiple mid-range, lower-end guys get signed to, to do depth. I have a feeling that Linebacker and tight end – are going to look completely different this year compared to last year. Those are those are that's really kind of my prediction there. I think we keep our options open. Maybe we trade Seattle a fourth rounder for Jamal Adams, put him at outside linebacker, let him cover. <laughs> <laughs> that kid's a bum. I Sorry. would boycott this team <laughs> so fast if that little bitch came back on this squad. <laughs> All right, we're gonna move on from linebacker to the secondary which was another position group that was a revolving door this year between with a lot of injuries. But we saw a lot of guys getting reps, especially the rookies, and there was some pr- improvement during the last part of the season. Uh, will the secondary hit their stride going into next season? And is it worth bringing back Marcus May? Uh, Dan, I guess I'm going to throw this one over to you first. What's... Uh, What's your feeling about the secondary? Did they improve? Did they make improvements? Did they, what do they do? Uh, did, 
have they have they are they hit their stride yet? Or are they kind of just still they still need another season to really get comfortable? Like a lot of these guys who are rookies, like Brandon Eccles, uh, Justin with Justin Pinnock, uh, he got some, they got some big reps this year because of injury, but they seem to be getting their getting their feet uh, on the ground, uh, so to speak, uh, in the last probably five six games of the year. I, I they're they're too young. They're, they're too right. young. Literally everybody within the secondary, with the exception of maybe a couple of safeties like LaMarcus Joyner and such, are all year three or lower players. They're too young. You don't have a veteran presence there. And I think cornerback, you know, you, got, you see all these mock drafts where cornerback gets drafted at four, a Derek Stingley, or at, you know, at 10, you know, you get somebody like Andrew Booth or, or Ahmad Sauce Gardner. But I, I have a feeling that cornerback doesn't get taken in the first round for the Jets and that they go heavy after a guy like Carlton Davis or J.C. Jackson because you, you need a veteran in that room. Like, you need a guy to show the young guys, like, this is how you handle – this is how you attack film. This is the cues to look for. This is, you know, the communication required to prevent breakdowns. Like, you need somebody like that to kind of help – Bryce Hall continue his uh, to, to continue to find his potential as a high end CB two, potentially even into a mid range CB one. So I, I have a feeling that uh, cornerback is going to be handled in free agency, and that that's another position where we're going to see a bigger name uh, come onto the Jets. You know, uh, hopefully it's just not another Tremaine Johnson situation where they, they pay the bag. And we get pay the Jets tax. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I don't want to pay the Jets tax and then get you know UDFA. <laughs> uh, what's it called? Uh, play out of them. So yeah, uh, I, you know it's that that's the only problem with with the secondary room is you know you, you got what you expected this year. They played a they played better than you thought, especially MC two in the slot. You know I think ultimately I think he tailed off a little bit towards the end of the year, but he played much better than I think any of us thought he would. I mean, for a lot of analysts, they didn't even know who MC2 was. I mean, if you look mm-hmm. when, when the Jets drafted him in the fifth round, there was multiple people saying, like, I didn't even have him on my top 300. Like, he, I didn't even have him as a draftable prospect. And that just goes to show you that Joe Douglas clearly saw something in this kid, and this kid paid them back in spades for a fifth-round draft pick like that to come in as a rookie on the slot cornerback and play as well as he did. Was he a world beater? Of course not. Was he... You know, was he a pro bowler? Absolutely not. But he played a lot of meaningful reps as a fifth round rookie and wasn't out of place. You know, he wasn't out of place with it. So I think with Bryce Hall, you know, that's that's two guys you have in the fifth round, the secondary of a position that realistically requires high end draft picks in order to actually work. Very, very rarely do day three guys stick around for starter reps on any team, even one as bereft as talent as the Jets are. But not only did he show he could play, he showed he could play well. And I just think they need they need more veteran in, in the secondary room. They need more age. You need you need a guy that's going into his second contract to help teach these guys the, the nuances of everything else they need to know. So that's that to me is the, the, the real flaw of the secondary room is they're just too young. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I do think Brandon Eccles also played a really good role on this team uh, as a depth piece. Um, he he was a liability in some in some games, but he also came up and made some plays in others. So, I mean, it's about I guess like what you would expect out of a rookie. But for being such a late pick, I was I was happy with his performance. Um, do you see somebody like Joe Hayden or or Kyle Fuller being added to the team? 
I can definitely see someone like Joe Hayden coming onto the team, but I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't like Joe Hayden as like our starter. You know, I, I, right. I don't want to call Joe Hayden our CB1 at 33 years old. I mean, that's just asking for problems. I would love right. Joe Hayden in the room to teach the guys to mm-hmm. impart his wisdom and his knowledge of being, you know, a 12 year vet pro that's multiple time all pro pro bowler, you know, to help to help them out. But I don't want to rely on him for uh, that many snaps. I'd rather again, I, you know, the two guys I named the Carlton Davis, JC Jackson. I'd rather a guy like that who's 26, 27 plays at a very high level and can come in and teach them while also actually providing the talent necessary to to be a true CB1 for the, for the room. So that's, I don't think that gets taken care of in, in the draft. I think that's a, I think that's a, because it's of how much, agency thing. because of how much draft capital they used last year on this corner and, and whatnot, I just don't think they do it again this year. I just don't. Hmm. Now I'm looking at the free agency list for cornerback. Uh, and I'm looking at snaps, uh, total snaps on defense. For guys who are 27 and younger, uh, there's a couple of names in this list. Levi Wallace from Buffalo, uh, Eli Apple, which is uh, drafted by the Giants all that long ago, but has had a, had a decent season with Cincinnati this year. Uh, he had 49 tackles, two interceptions. Uh, you got mentioned J.C. Jackson, um, Shannon Sullivan from the Green Bay Packers had three interceptions. So you know, there's plenty of options out there. Uh, for the Jets, if they want to pick up a guy, uh, pick up a cornerback who has lots of NFL experience and lots of snaps under under his belt for this year, wouldn't see that as a bad option for free agency. I, didn't, I mean, I think J.C. Jackson's going to be you know the cream of the crop if, if the Patriots don't sign up to an extension or franchise tag him. And I just don't. I don't think. Unfortunately, I don't think he comes to the Jets. You know, I don't think. No, he, don't he's think. he's going to need all the bags that were already given to Schultz. I think. Yeah, he's yeah. gonna be he's gonna be an expensive guy, and I mean, and I, I think safety is a bigger need than corner is for this team. And I would be I would be much happier paying a Marcus Williams fourteen million dollars a year to be our starting free safety than I would be paying J.C. Jackson, you know, seventeen eighteen million to be our CB one. So yeah, I just Tyron Matthews available too. Bring him. I would love I would love to bring him into the safety room. Teach all the guys how to be it. Vicious dog. Yeah, but Tyron Matthews also going to hit thirty this year as well. So, I mean, but he could still add that experience and with the uh, with the with the secondary. So, but no, some of the uh, noble guys out here. I'm just looking at snaps played. Uh, Quentin Qu- uh, Quandre Diggs from Seattle, uh, who was who was uh, the compliment ish to <laughs> Jamal Adams. Uh, Quandre Diggs, Marcus Williams, on Jamal Adams was this year. Quandre Diggs was one of the best safeties in the league this year. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, he, had an issue. he got injured. I think the last game of the season. Yeah. Xavier Woods is is available. 108 tackles for a for a safety. Goodness gracious. Um, Jaron Curse, DJ Reed, Tyron Matthews out. I guess I mentioned before. Yeah, there's plenty of names out here who played plenty of snaps last year who could help the secondary improve a bit but it comes back to my my question the last question i had for this particular part of the discussion do you bring back marcus may because he's franchise franchise you got franchise last year and suffered an unfortunate 
Achilles there Achilles tear. <laughs> We're catching the Achilles tear like the like the like the COVID apparently on this team of this year. <laughs> do you bring uh, do you bring him back, or does he yeah. go elsewhere? Yeah, I don't bring him back. I think yeah. he has okay. to go somewhere else. He's going to ask for too much money coming off of the injury, and it's just if if they would have brought him back, I think they would have done it already. They would have signed him to an extension before this year. They didn't do that, so. There's too much. There's too much younger, better talent out there. The safety market is absolutely stacked at free agency here. There's zero reason to, to bring back Marcus May unless you unless Joe Douglas swings and misses on Justin Reed, uh, Marcus Williams, and um, Jesse Bates the third. If he misses on all three of those guys, then maybe you have to entertain Marcus May coming back. And then at that point, you're going to pay you're going to pay a Jets tax on your own player because he's already kind of upset with the front office. You know, according to what, from what I believe, what was it? They offered him twenty. They offered him eighty percent of the franchise tag on a long-term deal, and he he turned that down. So an, I think it was a nine million dollar franchise tag he got this year, which puts him at what about seven? Ten, uh, ten and a half. Ten and a half million. So what's that? So that puts him at oh, just a hair under nine million dollars. You know, for for what they offered him, and he turned that down at age twenty-nine. Now he's thirty, coming off an Achilles tear. Look, you want to sign him to death on like a one-year two and a half three million dollar deal and he's willing to take it by all means come on back be a jet but at the same time that's not going to preclude me from grabbing one of those high-end three guys of you know uh again marcus williams jesse bates or justin reed that wouldn't stop me from getting him that would just make marcus may my backup to those guys and kick ashton davis further down the the depth chart which is why i don't think he's coming back he's he's gonna he's gonna chase more money than what the jets are willing to offer and i think plus uh, from from how this season went, I, I think a, a separation is due. Yeah, yeah that's what I, I was going to say is I don't think it's necessarily on the Jets to bring him back. I think he's not going to want to come back. Yeah, I think exactly. like you were saying, I feel like he, the, he's already felt disrespected by the front office, and he he's going to go try and, and get some money elsewhere. Yeah, you don't, don't want to dra- let drag too long like the like Jamal Adams, the Jamal Adams situation, and you swing him for I'll a couple ju- picks, but. We, we talked about this you know a year ago. All Jamal had to do was just be a little bit more patient. That's literally all you right. needed to do. You needed mm-hmm. to give us one more solid season, and Joe Douglas would have paid him. Joe Douglas would yep. have paid him. There were some cap yep. things he had to handle last year or that he had to, had, had to handle that year to get everything situated, to give us the cap space we had past offseason and this offseason. All you had to do was just wait. You just couldn't wait one more year. You couldn't wait till year four. You had to be a bitch in year three. You had to. I'm, Grant, I'm glad. I'm glad he didn't wait. You know exactly because we would have had to pay him so much money, and he just. I'm just. I was so sick of hearing him talk. By the and time now we have AVT. On. So. Yeah. Well, he got his money. He got his money. That's what he wanted. We got AVT, but, and we have who the hell else knows at this point right. because at that's the 10. beauty of pick 10. That's yeah. the other thing right there too. We didn't even get on with that whole trade. It was just the fact that when we made the deal, not a damn person expected the Seattle Seahawks pick to be in the top 10. We probably didn't even expect the top 20. I mean, I think no. everybody would have expected Seattle to have been somewhere in the 23 to 32 range. Super so the Bowl fact contenders. that we made that deal and he turned yeah. into a top, and it turned to a top 10 pick, that's astounding. That's absolutely astounding. And I know there's John Schneider and the Seahawks that say whatever the hell they want. They know they screwed up. They know oh, they, they screwed did. up. They, they know Joe Douglas took them for a ride. For yep. sure. Last yep. draft they tweeted out, last year uh, the, the Seahawks tweeted out, 
um, for our first pick in the in the 2021 draft, we select Jamal Adams, and then they put this whole like video package together. And I'm like, and I like can't wait for you to tweet that again this year. Can't wait for you to take the same player two years in a row. Freezing right, cold yeah. takes. Uh, exactly. I mean, just the fact that it just became a top Goodness. ten pick is absolutely unbelievable. You know, that's it's just thank, unbelievable. Thank I want to say thank you to. Yeah, I want to thank you to. I want to say thanks to uh, Jamal Adams, Russell Wilson's broken finger, and Geno Smith for the top very that top so. ten pick. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, All it's right, very appreciated. We're going to wrap things up in just a quick second, but I've got a couple more questions. Talk about the coaches. What are your grades for Robert Sala and the rest of the coaching staff, primarily Mike Lafleur and Jeff Ulrich? And Kyle, I'm going to throw this question over to you first. What do you think? What do you give for your final grades for 2021 for this coaching staff? Are we looking like legit letter grades here? Yes. Okay. So for Sala, um, I want to give him, I want to give him a like a B close to like a B plus, I guess. I, I think he's, I think he's done all right. Um, there, there's been some things that I've been frustrated with. Um, I, I can't stand, I can't stand some of, well, okay. Let me get the positive stuff out of the way first, actually. <laughs> I think he's done a really great job of determining when he should go for it on fourth and whatever. Mm-hmm. I think he's done a great job with that time management. I think he's actually done a pretty good job with that kind of stuff. However, um, just some of the, I kind of can't stand his, his, like his, his coach speak, if you will, like just some of that stuff, like the whole thing about like Denzel Mims and, you know, he's, he'll get there and that kind of stuff. Dude, just say he's not going to get there. Just say, I see him every day. Just say, just say what uh, <laughs> Mike Zimmer said about, about, um, uh, what's that? The backup's name for the, for the Vikings. They just drafted him. I can't remember. Quarterback um, or yeah. Quarterback. Oh, um, nope. Lost it again. doesn't matter. But, uh, I don't yeah. know. I, I kind of can't stand his. I kind of can't stand his his coach speak sometimes. I I like him a lot as a as a person, and I just I don't know. I can't tell who runs the defense either. Is it him? Is it Ulrich? Kellen Mond? Kellen Mond is who you're. Kellen Mond. About. There you go. That's who. I don't know if you guys saw that press conference with with the Vikings, but Mike Zimmer looked at like an like he looked so angry when they asked about Kellen Mond. He goes, "No, he's not starting." They're like, "Why?" And he's like, "I see him every day." And I'm like, "Wow, that's really brutally honest." Okay, well but. But I could have just I, I think I would have accepted the whole Denzel Mims things more just because of how athletic he was and how uh, he, he looked. He just looked so promising coming out of Baylor. So I wanted to see him on the field more. And when I didn't see him on the field at all and reporters are like, well, what is he doing wrong? And they're just like, well, he's not exactly grasping the whole offense yet. You couldn't. I don't know. That kind of thing. I just would have rather have him had him said straight out like he's, he's not he's not good enough to play like straight up. He's not good enough to play. He's a liability on the field. But um, I do think that I do think that overall he did a pretty good job. Um, Lafleur, I really liked him. He struggled a bit in the first few weeks, as we said. But once he went up to the booth, it was like, you know, totally game changing. Um, and then Ulbrich, like I said before, I don't really know about him with the with the Salah thing. Who runs? Who legitimately runs that defense? I don't really know. So I can't really give Ulbrich a, a grade unless I mean the defense was atrocious. So I guess I'll give him like a D or something like that. It was pretty bad. Uh, but Lafleur, I'm going. I'm going A minus. Okay, Dan, what about you, what's your grades? I got Sala. I got solid anywhere between a C to a C plus. I think that he he definitely endeared himself to the players. I think he proved himself as a players' coach. I think he definitely proved the fact that New York is going to be a want to place that free agents 
and draft picks are going to want to come to now. He's, he's cert- I feel like he's certainly changed the narrative in that regard. He's, he's shown that we're an ascending team. I think the, the biggest issues are, though, is just that they tended to continually struggle with the same things over and over and over in the run defense, in the pass defense, in the just the general just it, it just he just never was able to seem to get a consistent game plan together. In, in, in I don't think any game really. There was never one game where it's just like all three facets really kind of worked. If one thing was working, another one wasn't. And I just I, I think there's still a lot more he needs to learn in the in the game planning aspect of everything here. And again, having rookie coordinators and a rookie quarterback and you know essentially what turned into a patchwork offensive line and a patchwork secondary and a patchwork linebacking core by midway through the season didn't help any matters. Um, right. But I mean, look, injuries happen for everybody. So you can't, you can't favor him just out of bias. So I think, I think for what it is, he gets about a C, a C to a C plus for me. I think, I think Michael Fleur after, I think Michael Fleur pre booth C plus, just C, C to C plus as well. I don't, I don't, he just, he just wasn't getting it. He wasn't helping Zach Wilson see the field post booth. I think it's a solid a minus a, you know, once, once he made the move up there and, and, and the Mike white game started. And then from everything that point forward, the jets just look like a completely different team, no matter who was on quarterback. And uh, I think a lot of that was due to LaFleur and his ability to scheme and game plan. And his play calling was actually incredibly good for a rookie coordinator. I think his play calling mm-hmm. was way, way better than than expected. Um, Ulbrich, I mean, damn, it's hard to grade Ulbrich because it's just you got they got so ravaged by injury that it's just yeah. it's just not it's just not fair to completely take it out on Ulbrich. I mean, literally, like your your game plans are made for your first, second, and maybe third string guys. And he was playing fourth and fifth and and, str- and street practice squad guys into meaningful reps and it's just it's just mm-hmm. not the same so i mean if i have if i have to give Ulbrich a grade i mean it's a d plus maybe c minus if you want to get if you want to get beneficial but i feel like it would have been a lot better if a lot of positions could have stayed healthier longer than they did okay you know okay all right so my grades are as follows. For Robert Sala, I give him a solid B minus. Uh, I give him a solid B minus, and I'll and I'll say and I'll say why. Um, for the first couple of weeks, he struggled with his time management skills. They're supposed to have a time management. Every team has a, supposedly has a time management guy, and if you're not recognizing certain situations where you have to take a timeout or you have to, you know, on offense, you have to spike the ball or give you guys some 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 rest or some way to talk it over with your with your staff about a key offensive play. For example, that Tampa Bay game when Zach Wilson went for it on fourth and went, did a quarterback sneak on fourth and two, that was a mess up on both Salah and and Mike LaFleur. But I, I am a solid I, I give him a solid B minus uh only because of the fact that I, I think he 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 has made himself likable to the players unlike unlike adam gase who was completely who was a complete stone stone face every game and was sit by himself on the bench trying to figure out what the heck's going on with the offense with the offense todd bulls great guy very quiet but he's not he doesn't seem like he he inspired like sala does so 
I think he's got players. He had players who wanted to play for him. He won. They wanted to fight for him. They wanted to try to get a W for him. That only wound up being four times this year. But I think he's. I think the players. He has the players' respect. And like and like you said, Danny, he's made it into a. And both actually, both you and uh, Dan and Kyle, you've both said that he's he's made it a place where either draft picks or free agency free agents want to come. Because they they like Salah so much, Mike Lafleur, I give him a solid B plus, uh, only because the first four weeks of the season, first four or five weeks of the season, where the offense was just was was dog crap, was a dog's breakfast. Uh, for the first half of, the, of every game, it seemed like they were just falling behind. They didn't have they didn't actually have the lead at any point in the first four games until that game against Tennessee when they went up ten seven. <laughs> So, but as when he went up to the booth and he could see the whole field for it, you could see the whole field and try to scheme where the offense matches with the offense matches. I think his play calling got better uh, with the exception of that Tampa Bay game where they, they could have knocked off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, and I would have had to drink another hard seltzer. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> um. But his play calling got better. I think Zach Wilson got more comfortable in that offense, uh, partially because of the injury and partially just from Mike LaFleur's play calling, him seeing the field, the bigger part of the field, and knowing which plays to call and what, what worked and what worked for the offense and what didn't work for the offense. Even with the skeleton crew on offense, primarily at receiver. So I'm gonna give him I give LaFleur a solid B plus. Albrick See, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be kind of fair and say C minus only because of the injury injury factor. The middle of the season when they were giving up 30, 40, 50 plus point, 50 plus points of a game, that was just that was they were in the struggle bus for that sequence defensively. But they seemed to clean it up over even with playing fourth, fifth, and sixth string guys, uh, practice squad guys, basically on defense. I think it came to a culmination in that Buffalo game where granted they couldn't move the ball worth a damn, but defensively they, I think they had the bills respect uh, uh, because they played so hard in that game. They want considering 10 weeks ago, the 10 weeks before they were getting absolutely splattered <laughs> and Josh uh, and Josh Allen was throwing the ball deep on plays. And Ulrich said, I have a long memory and I, and I don't you know, it doesn't seem like it holds a grudge, but he kind of holds a grudge. <laughs> so I, I would only give Ulbricht a C minus and try and I'm trying to be as fair as I can only because of the injury aspect. But I think as the season went along and guys started even the, the, the reserve guys started to get the system and how it worked. I think that's where you saw the defense grow up a little bit. Also, I think that's where you see where you saw Ulbricht level up a little bit knowing that he had such he had such thin core it's just a thin core of every position ex- with the exception of probably a linebacker um on the field so so b i say for solid c solid b minus b plus for uh for the floor and c minus for Ulbricht only because of injury aspect yeah i mean if you're able to attribute how well the cornerbacks played to Ulbrich, then I would definitely bump it up a little bit. But 
you know, it, it's really hard to tell who does what, especially when the head coach is from a defensive background and how much of right. his defense is, you know, so it was really hard for me to actually have a letter grade for Ulbrich, but I'm very hopeful that next year with a healthier defense, maybe grab some more, uh, some free agents or some draft picks and see, see if we can kind of fill in some of those missing pieces. I almost gave Ulbrich an incomplete, but I want to be fair and have a letter grade in there just because it's, I need I mean, something. They were so ravaged by injury. You just you just yeah. don't truly know what they could have done if they would have had if they had even just a normal amount of injuries. But I mean, yeah. we yeah. lost we from, lost our from preseason our, all the way up to week eighteen. I mean, we lost our premier free agent who, in all by all accounts, in camp was hands down the best player on the field. No matter even when they were playing against other teams. Before he went down with the Packers, that day one where he was with the Packers, Carl Lawson was considered the best player on the field for both teams. That's saying yeah. something on a field that has Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers and players like that going for him. And he was considered the best one. And then day two, his Achilles decides to give out. And it's just, I mean, if you got to give him a grade, you got to give him a grade. And ultimately, at the end of the day, they were the worst defense in the NFL. And, you know, so you, you can't. It, it, uh, it's just it just sucks. It really does. It just it just really sucks because yeah. I feel like the Jets could have definitely easily fielded a top, you know, probably a fourteen to eighteen defense, and we probably would have gotten three additional wins if we just weren't so injured. If we just weren't so injured, I mean, who knows what this defense could have been with a healthy Carl Lawson? Like, just who knows? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah. My my last question is about the off season. I think we've gone over the off season quite enough <laughs> throughout this throughout this episode. But um, I think I think a more appropriate question is for for the to wrap up this episode is that in coming to twenty twenty two, are you hopeful? Are you hopeful? Do you have? Is there any glimpse of hope coming into twenty twenty two? Dan, I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to have you fill this question first. Go to Kyle first. Do you have, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off on this one a little bit. This this is gonna take a few minutes. So let's, <laughs> you're, let's you're, like you're gonna be a while. Let's <laughs> like right, Kyle, Kyle do this one first. All right, you go All right, first. So so for 2022, right? Um, I I am hopeful. Okay, I'm a Jets fan first of all, so I ride the roller coaster of yep. of being com- completely high when I should probably be down here. Um. I'm I'm very hopeful. I think that the offense showed that they can be something when they're all completely there. Um, the offensive line, like we were saying, it was actually holding its own. At, you know, by the end of the season, when everybody was, I mean, aside from Makai, who was out all year. Um, what am I expecting as far as like? Are you asking what I'm expecting as far as like record wise, or how do we compete you know, in the play? I'm just just asking for a general feeling, just how you feel about the team going forward into 2022. I mean, I feel I feel pretty good about it. I I do like our coaching staff so far. Like we said about Ulbrich, it's kind of hard to give him like a definitive grade or anything like that. Uh, right. I think I think Lafleur in the next probably by 2024, 2025, he will be a head coaching candidate somewhere. I think that he he will do that good of a job as an offensive coordinator and a play caller for this team. Um, I do. I think that Zach Wilson needs to make a a pretty significant step. But I think he will have the pieces there to do so, right? If he doesn't, I think it's going to be on him, especially if we go out and we get Dalton Schultz and 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 we get. Uh, I mean, even if we if we get Calvin Ridley, like he's, we're going to have all the pieces there for him to succeed. So, 
as far as the defense goes, I'm not super hopeful about the defense. Um, again, we're going to need a lot more pieces to come back healthy, but I, I'm hopeful for the team in general. And if we, if I were to have to give some sort of like record, I'm, I'm looking for like a baseline of like, I would say like eight to nine wins. You know, all I all I want to see as a Jets fan that hasn't seen them in the playoffs since 2010, mm-hmm. I just want to see a graphic in December that says New York Jets in the hunt. That's all I want to see. Yeah, that's the mandate. I mean, that's literally what everybody else is saying. It's like that's that is what the the goal is for next year. We we went from two to four from uh, Gay Sasala. Now it's like you should double up again. It should be four to eight, especially with the draft capital and amazing financial resources we'll have in our play this offseason anything less than eight i think would keep would get joe douglas on the hot seat i really do i think i think anything less than eight would put joe douglas on a very hot seat and i think and i personally think if they only get six it almost wouldn't surprise me to see them think about moving on you know i think they gave him a six-year deal they're giving him all the time but i mean you're going to be in year four of the joe douglas deal and if you can't squeak if you still can't squeak by six wins when you've had three drafts a coaching change and, and everything like that you're I, I, again I, I think the the seat will be very hot this is this is by far joe douglas's most important season um for for his job security uh i don't think robert sala has anything to worry about for at least another two years yeah um but if they don't show anything in two years then i think that that's when he would have to be very very worried um but as far as as far as going back to your question, I think that I'm, again, as you said, you know, I'm a Jets fan, so we're eternal, eternal optimists because we have no other choice in the matter, mm-hmm. really, if you want to be. But again, going back to it, we, we have immense amount of, of salary cap space and what we, we have 60 something. I think we have 60 million now. And depending mm-hmm. on who they decide to get rid of, that could very easily turn into damn near 80 million. Uh, at that point. So that's more than enough to sign a high-end tight end. That's more enough to sign a high-end free safety and a high-end corner if you wanted to go that route along with filling up the depth and then using your nine, currently nine draft picks to fill in the remaining of the holes. So I, I think I trust Joe Douglas's talent evaluation. I mean, his 2021 draft class showed us that he does know what the hell he's doing, whereas 2020 has kind of showed us he was a little out of his league at that point i think uh, part of it had to do with the coach who's working with personally also true i mean yeah he my, was trying my opinion he was drafting he was drafting for a ditching different coaching staff that had different philosophies and different schemes and so forth so mm-hmm. yeah i mean i do it too do they draft denzel mims in the 2022 nfl draft knowing michael force the oc probably not <laughs> you know probably not so not even forgetting all you know about him to this point i just think as a prospect coming out of college yeah i think you leave him alone but I'm very optimistic. And Joe Douglas has clearly said, like, this is going to be an offseason where he's going to be aggressive. I mean, he's not going to be – I think he's going to be willing to pay make guys the highest paid people in the league in certain positions to make sure that the talent level gets significantly upgraded in the spots where we need it most. And um, with all his draft, his draft assets and um, if he can build upon his 2021 draft class – uh, with our 2022 draft picks, then there's zero reason why this team shouldn't be able to to be playing meaningful football, you know, by week 14, 15, 16 in, the, in that hunt, um, in that hunt graphic. And who knows? I mean, 
the Dolphins are now with firing Flores or a complete unknown. Tua Oof. to me is terrible. I don't, I don't, you know, he, he, I don't think he's any good. So now, you know, the Dolphins could certainly be going through uh, some serious drama. The Bills are spectacular, and and, and Mac Jones, I, I'm going to say it flat out, Mac Jones is under is overrated as hell. Very overrated. No, I have a bold prediction. I have an I have a bold prediction about Mac, about Mac Jones in just a second. Go ahead. Yeah, Go ahead. I mean, Mac. I mean, he, he went into the best. Uh, God damn. I mean, I can't stand Patriots fans with the way they <laughs> talked about Mac Jones. Like he was already the second coming of, of Tom Brady. Dude, he came into a team coached by Bill Belichick with probably a top two offensive line and a ton of money spent on the offense to build around him. I mean. Anybody would have succeeded to that point, and you and, saw as and, season and went arguably on. The, and arguably the safest offensive system in the league, period. And a top, and a top defense to go along with it, and a top yeah. defense to go along with it. You went into Already the, set up for success. Yeah, you went into the best situation you possibly could have. I think any one of the five quarterbacks that got drafted in the first round, whoever it would have been, would have probably been the cream of the crop. Uh, it, it had that happened, had Zach Wilson fallen to, to the Patriots side, he probably would have looked way better with them than he would have with us for this season. Easy, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the 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 just the the buildup of what they think Mac Jones is is astounding. And you saw as the year went on, he's not as good as you think. He, he's not. And I'm sorry, there's there's zero. You, you can't convince me that a gentleman with the first name of McCorkle is going to be anything good in the NFL. It's just not going to middle happen. name. Yeah, it's just not going <laughs> to middle happen. name anyway. It's just not going to happen. So I, I just – Joe Douglas just needs to spend the money on the right guys, and he needs to – he needs he – needs, there can't be any more conservative contracts. There's no more – there's no more playing Joe Thrifty. Like, you need to – you need to be Joe Millionaire at this point now. Like, it's it's time to – it's time to loosen it up. Like, you it, – it's time to – it's time to overpay for some of those guys to make sure that Zach Wilson is comfortable, your defense is upgraded, and then – go balls to the wall in the draft and you know let just just hopefully let the coaching staff put it all together and at least at least you have to i think you have to get the eight wins next year or i think the season is considered a failure considering I'll, and okay i'll give you guys reason for hope so i'm i'm hopeful as, as you guys said we're jets fans we're always hopeful but there's that that was always that as i coined back in the downtown jets podcast Excitable dread Excitable. that <laughs> you come, you, you come, you go, you go on a high, but you know the Jets are going to let you down at some point. But I feel with this regime, yes, Joe Douglas has to hit. It has to become Joe Millionaire, and bravo to you, uh, Dan, for putting that uh, to call him that. Um, but yeah, I think now, I think, I think Douglas understands, and I think Salah understands now is the time. Um, you're, 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 you've got ownership who is now seemingly a lot more patient with you. Uh, I think this may not be the Christopher Johnson of old, or the, the yeah, the, I'm sorry, the Woody Johnson of old. You have Christopher Johnson kind of taking the reins, so to speak. Um, Woody's kind of in the background, just kind of like, hey, what's going on? But I think they're a lot more patient with Joe Douglas because I think he's sold them on his vision of what he wants this team to be going into the next two, three seasons. And yes, the expectation is to double up wins for next year. Eight or nine wins would be more acceptable than six or seven. Uh, but I, like I said, I think, I think the Johnsons are a lot more patient because I think they believe in what Joe Douglas is selling has, has given them for his vision 
of where the Jets can be. And Robert Sala as a coach is going to take them there. Now, health-wise, it, it all comes down to whether or not they, this team stays healthy. This year, actually the last probably, what, four years, three, four years, has proven that for some reason the Jets can't stay healthy. Um, but you've got a full you got your the projected members of your offense coming back. You get the projected members of your defense coming back. They're gonna be they're gonna be stronger. I, I'm hoping they build on depth at key positions, but I'm also also hoping they make this offense. They build this offense into the most explosive offense in the AFC, let in the NFL, let alone the AFC. And for the first time since what 2015, we'll see a team that is just fun to watch. They'll be so much fun to watch. And I, I have hope going into this offseason that Joe Douglas can do that. Um, I think Robert Sala is the coach is the coach going for the future. Uh, for the future, I think he's gonna I think he's likable enough that people want put free agents and draft picks will want to go to this team hoping to be drafted by the Jets. But um but no, but I'm I'm hopeful that this team can can uh can reach a level that we haven't seen in our lifetimes at all. Um, so that's my yep. biggest hope as a Jets fan. And I'm pretty sure you guys feel the same way too. Absolutely. Yeah, and on that note, and on that note, I think we're it's, it's, a, it's a good time to wrap things up. I'm going to give you guys the floor as to where people can find you, um, what you're doing. If you have a podcast, shout it out. But uh, Dan, I'm going to let you go first. Where can people find you on social media? If they want to talk, Jets, if they, you know, or if they want to talk, if they want to talk draft picks, they want to talk any other thing, any, anything Jets related. Where can the people find you? Well, I've uh, been doing a lot of personal growth uh, for myself over the past year, and uh, 2022, I think it's time for me to uh, dive dive in a little more uh, regarding my obsession with football and Jets football and, and the draft in particular. So I think if you want to see me at a uh, uh, I may start a new Twitter handle uh, just to start everything, but right now it's at at DTSN Jets Dan for our old Downtown Sports Network, uh, which the defunct now Downtown Sports Network. Um, or you can find me in South Florida booing the Dolphins. So you know, if, uh, <laughs> you know. So if you're in the area and you want to you want to catch a beer and boo the Dolphins together, I'm right there with you. I'm more than happy to piss off as many Dolphins fans as we can possibly find. So hit me up and let me know if you're down for that. <laughs> All right, Kyle, how about you? Where, where can people find you? So you can find me on Twitter. It's at krigney89. Or um, if you wanted to follow the show, it's at Travin Rigney. And, of course, I have the podcast with Godzilla Media. It's the Travin Rigney Show. Uh, on there, we talk about football for two of the – we do three episodes a week. And for two of the episodes, we talk about football. Our third one is always some sort of off-topic, completely random. We just – we'll rank, like – our favorite snack foods or something weird uh you know some episodes like that and um that that's pretty much what i do nothing nothing else except for complaining about the jets on twitter <laughs> yeah and sometimes you write for guys little media too yeah. yeah i need a new medium to that i can only bitch to my wife so much about about how the jets are <laughs> day in and day out so that's why i need i think that's why you know i'm going to start doing more on twitter and youtube and stuff just on my own just to just for something to do, just a hobby to do, so I can leave my poor wife alone. She's got enough on her plate as it is. There yeah. you go. There you go. All right, gentlemen, thank you for joining me on this New York Jets fan roundtable. Do appreciate you guys. 
and we'll be right back in just a moment. You are listening to No Credentials Required. And again, I want to thank Kyle from the Trav and Rigney podcast and also thank my buddy Dan, former co-host of Downtown Jets, for joining me in that discussion. Before we go, though, I just want to remind you about one of our partners at Godzilla Media, and that is Mohawk Honda. It's a new year with new goals. Start your new year right behind the wheel of a new or pre-owned vehicle that fits your budget and your new year's resolutions. Stop into Mohawk Honda and check out their broad selection of pre-owned inventory. They are there to find your right make, model, and price point to fit your budget. Their goal is to help you meet your goals. Let Louis the VIP man Morales, Jake Hot Sauce Doyle, Cars with Kern Swoboda, or Mark from Clitham Park, Ellis Jr. connect you up with the perfect deal. And right now is the perfect time to get top dollar for your trade-in with the Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. Same day, check in hand the day you trade in your vehicle. Just ask for Brian, buy with BMAC McKenna, Mike Bennis, Nicole Oser, or Cam, let's do a deal McKenna. Or see my guy, Easy Evans Whalen. Again, all of their sales and leasing consultants will make your New Year's automotive goals their priority. Start the new year right with just the right deal at Mohawk Honda in Glenville, where they always go out of their way to please you. All right, so thanks again for listening to No Credentials Acquired. Go to our social media channels on Twitter and Instagram. It's BellyUpNCR, Facebook.com forward slash BellyUpSportsNCR, YouTube, No Credentials Required. And while you're at it, support the show by buying a t-shirt from Bonfire. Go to Bonfire.com. We've got a wide array of t-shirts. We've got sweatshirts. We've got buy a shirt that supports the no shave november charity which fights cancer and they support cancer research and don't forget our third episode this week will drop on friday where i have my extended conversation with longtime coach jeff reinbold you don't want to miss it so my name is ryan mccarthy i've been your host of no credentials required where you don't need a press pass to talk sports we'll talk to you next time courtesy of Joseph McDade. Check him out and support his music at patreon.com forward slash Joseph McDade. Be sure to rate, share, and subscribe on multiple podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Spreaker. No credentials required as a Belly Up Sports Podcast Network production in association with Godzilla Media. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.